Welcome. Welcome to Know Your Roles. The entertainment, culture, and sports podcast where we find unexpected connections across all your favorite mixed media. We talk film, television, music, literature, sports, food, and more. And we do this all sitting down with interesting people. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Kleinman. And I'm that other fellow, George Gordon. All right, George, why don't you tell the folks what we got going on in today's show? This week, we've got singer and songwriter for the band 79.5 and all-around rock star, my good pal, Kate Madison. We're going to talk about soul singers and ice cream flavors. Before we get to that, how are you? Um, I'm doing all right. I'm really excited uh, to talk to Kate and for, to have everybody listen to that. This is uh, a big week this week because we're recording this the day before 420. <laughs> 420, bro! <laughs> No, I am only joking. I am a, a professional marijuana user, so 420 is every day for me. Um, like, I've never understood. Like, I don't need a holiday. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I'm also, like, afraid that it's going to become, like, the new Hallmark holiday <laughs> because weed is going to be, like, federally legal at some point. Knock on wood. Soon. But, yeah, like, marijuana in, the, in this country has already been, like, commodified and, and like, commercialized you know so like it's only gonna get worse and worse so 420 like you're gonna have cards for 420 and shit like that it's saint patrick's day and uh <laughs> fat tuesday for you people is that what it is uh like i said i'm i'm a, I'm a pro so it's just a a wednesday for me <laughs> i just call it wednesday but yeah that's uh mm-hmm. so it's fun fun for everyone <laughs> um what about you george how you doing man i'm good it's uh this weather is really messing me up a little bit it's cold in my apartment uh i mentioned i have a blanket over my legs like i'm fdr but uh it'll be fine i'm just hoping i want some warmer days like not super hot days i just want it to not be 50 so a little perturbed by that but other than that i'm good yeah i'm with you i'm waiting for that like 65 to 75 range that we get for like a week or two weeks <laughs> uh but yeah mm-hmm. that's i, I want to live in that Northern California people, where where you at? <laughs> All right, George, what do you say we go to the bar for some bar talk? Absolutely. Today on Bar Talk, we'll be talking about the start of the NBA playoffs, the new very, very meta, beyond meta Nick Cage vehicle, which is called the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which comes out this Friday, April 22nd. And uh, Bartender Choice, Dave, uh, it's yours today. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to talk about the Ringers top 50 rom-com list, which I've got some thoughts. So let's start with the NBA playoffs. All right. Well, yeah, we just got uh, kicked off here. I think, you know, by the time this episode drops, the every series will have had like two or so games. Uh, and you kind of start to like get the lay of the land in the first round. But this is a really entertaining first round so far because I feel like there are less there have been some lopsided results so far, and there'll probably be some series that end 4-0 or 4-1, but it's 
been pretty competitive. The teams at the top are like kind of all bunched up together. So, I mean, the second round is going to be really phenomenal, I think. But but so far, it's been pretty good. I will say the one thing that it's funny because if you listen to the show, you've been following my uh, odyssey into becoming a degenerate gambler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm still doing all right, just just for the record. But so I have like a different perspective uh, on things. But like as a fan... I really have always been against since they made the switch to uh, the first round series being seven games. I've always been against that because it kind of gets, it, it lets go of like upsets. There, there are less upsets. Uh, if you have to play a team for seven games, like you might be able to sneak out a three games in five, you know, if, if you can ride some momentum, but like overall the talent's probably going to win out if, if there is like a big division of that uh, over seven games, but I'd say as a better it's awesome because like a, a team I really believe in and like know I, or think is going to win may lose like a game or two. And then you can make a lot of money that way <laughs> by, by betting on them. Cause you're like, eh, this is going to go seven games. So like we, you know, but, uh, but yeah, George, what, what are your thoughts on the early, the early f- first few games? Well, the two series that I really have been paying attention the most to oddly enough are the two, the seven series on the West is Memphis versus Minnesota, and at East is Brooklyn versus Boston. And the two similarities is that like uh, the seven seed is is very capable of beating the two seed. The crazy thing about both of those similarities between those two series is there's some guys in both those series that are going to be deemable unplayable, which is Steven Adams in Memphis and Daniel Tice in Boston, because when switches happen, they're just not able to move their feet fast enough. So it's like the chess game that's going to happen between these four teams is going to be fun to watch. And plus it's like all of the other stuff that's added, I posted on a uh, NBA uh, NBA Facebook group that I'm in, whether or not Kyrie Irving is the heel or the face, heel or the baby face. And for those of you who don't watch wrestling, heels are bad guys, baby faces are good guys. In a way, in my mind, Kyrie is the heel, but I thoroughly enjoy watching him flicking off and then playing so well in the Boston Garden that to me, he's kind of the baby face, he's kind of the good guy. So even though I'm rooting for Boston in that series, I'm rooting for Kyrie Irving to keep playing well and flicking off Boston fans because they're the worst. And then, then, then the Minnesota series is like, I think we're seeing the arrival of a new superstar, which is Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards, all six foot, whatever the fuck he is. I think what it is is the fact that he's like a linebacker in a shooting guard's body, and he gives zero fucks. He scored 30 in the playing game. He scored 36 the other night, and he's basically going downhill when he plays basketball. That's kind of fun to watch. So I'm, even though I'm rooting for Memphis in that series as well, I think I got their hands full with Ant-Man. He's clearly the alpha on that team. So those are two series I'm paying attention to the most. That's awesome. Those are some some great thoughts. Uh, I, I want to further that a little bit with you and respond to some of that. One is you're totally right about like, it's awesome to see, or it's interesting to see like the chess match when you have players that play like 25, 30 minutes a game who are now playing nothing because yeah, they don't match up. Right. And that series, you're totally right. Daniel Tice, but also Andre Drummond as well. Andre Drummond is not going to see the fucking court very much because he can't, they're going to go small and Claxton is playing well. And like the kind of player that they need to slot in, in this series, probably, especially, you know, without Robert Williams for the Celtics hurt, but also that you're right at that Memphis, Minnesota series. I think that's going to be a fucking barn burner, man. It's going to be awesome. Like I, I do mm-hmm. personally think that Memphis is going to come back in that series and pretend and, and pop and probably mm-hmm. take it, but you're right about Edwards. It's been a small sample, relatively small sample size so far, but 
it seems like he is a he is that dude that rises to the occasion he plays better when the bright lights are on him and like that's what separates great players in the playoffs i mean that's why like mm-hmm. a player like james harden has like kind of a bad rap around fans and, and like the league because like he does not perform that well in those moments but edwards looks like he is that guy the only problem for them is memphis Grizz- grizzlies have mm-hmm. the epitome of that fucking guy which is john morant which i believe to like the night we're recording this i i believe john morant is going to have a monster night tonight mm-hmm. so We'll see, but it's been it's been exciting so far. I mean, gotta fucking love the playoffs, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I think it's like at his points. So I think the dude that really needs to show up for them is Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson, I think, went four for fourteen last week or this past weekend. That's just not gonna work. Um, so playing great defense, though. Yeah, it was like, yeah, that series is gonna be that series is highly it's gonna be highly entertaining. Yeah, totally. The grindhouse is gonna be rocking tonight, so we'll see. Your adopted home of Memphis. Uh, going fucking nuts tonight <laughs> exactly all right let's move on what what's next on on tap the unbearable weight of massive talent the new nick cage movie from what i've gathered what this is about so it's got a lot of people in it that i like um uh pascal what is his last name uh pedro oh, pedro pascal that is the last name pedro pascal yeah, yeah. who i thoroughly enjoy he's in season three of narcos season two of narcos He's uh he's also in uh, the Mandalorian. He's in a lot of stuff. He's he's like he's a star. Anyway, yeah. he's from what I've gathered, he plays like this eccentric billionaire whose favorite actor is Nicolas Cage. So he had, like hires Nicolas Cage to come to a party, and then trouble ensues. And Nicolas Cage has got to like conjure up all the roles he's ever played in to get them out of trouble. Inject that in my fucking veins. So I cannot wait for this movie that comes out Friday. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I also can't wait. We just saw we were we just saw a movie in theaters and watched the trailer for that, like on the big screen. And it it, it yeah, it's very exciting. Uh it's that like so Pedro Pascal is like a he he plays like this exactly eccentric billionaire, but he, and he loves Nicolas Cage, but like it turns out that he may be some cra- crazy international criminal mm-hmm. and like the feds are like using Nicolas Cage playing himself Nicolas Cage to like infiltrate him but they have like a buddy buddy like lo- like bromance relationship and uh one of the the federal agents is Tiffany Haddish <laughs> so yeah I mean it looks like it knows exactly what it is uh mm-hmm. you know which is like not taking itself seriously and having a lot of fun and like I mean it's called the unbearable weight of massive talent <laughs> like that's you deserve kudos to whoever came up with that title like you yes all, all love for that um oh. definitely gonna go go uh park my butt in a seat somewhere and watch that all right george next we're gonna finish out this bar with bartender's choice it's me this week and i pretty much decided i just want to read lists <laughs> i just like reading lists um i'm not gonna read this fucking thing but but yeah, this this ringer list that is the 50 best rom-coms. And yeah, it's so rom-coms, romantic comedies, it's a genre that I feel like is much maligned. I know George and I are in agreement on this. Um, I think it's a very misunderstood title and like unfair label in a lot in a lot of uh, or has become it's like we have this very specific idea of like what a romantic comedy is and like traditionally it's not it may not be what it has been packaged as and like I'm not this is where we we might differ is uh, like I'm not in for like 
the ones that are like like I'm not in for like the failure to launch and like uh, like the Valentine's Day or like whatever those fucking movies are. And I, I feel like you might have uh, you, you you might you might welcome those. But there's like a lot of great movies on this list. I mean, number fifty is Five Hundred Days of Summer, Silver Linings Playbook, Harold and Maude, She's Got to Have It, Palm Springs. It's a very good list. I will say there's there's one thing that I there there's a couple movies on this list that I am a little salty that they're not on there. First of all, there's no like Billy Wilder movies on this list, which like some like it hot should be on the list somewhere. Uh, don't don't I haven't seen that in a long time. Not sure how it holds up, but I think it should be on the list as well as the apartment. But here's going to be my most controversial thing I'm going to say during this. Uh, which is, I, f- I believe the number one movie is uh, is When Harry Met Sally on this list. Mm-hmm. And like the number three or four movie uh, is Sleepless in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So two Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan vehicles. And uh, I'm just going to say, I will trade both of those fucking movies for one movie that I consider to be, honestly, it's one of my favorite movies of all time and one of what i believe is one of the best movies ever uh which is another meg ryan and uh, tom hanks rom-com which is joe versus the volcano written by john patrick shanley in like that movie is a fucking masterpiece and nobody will ever tell me different and if you haven't seen it you should watch that movie like right now but there's a, also like moonstruck is on this list which is uh, bringing up nick cage again uh which is uh a movie that we've talked about a lot, Bull Durham, um, The Big Sick, some really great movies. But anyway, George, I know you have some thoughts. So Dave, you being you being such a movie guy, I don't think you're into rom-coms. I think you're just into good movies. So <laughs> The Apartment and uh, Some Like It Hot are great movies. But this list is... My argument is those are rom-coms. Like those are yeah. what rom-coms The thing is just like this list is clearly made by some people who are a lot younger than you and who aren't big movie fans. I have made a list of rom-coms like quintessential rom-coms on my list and uh there's one that's not on it and there's a there's a couple movies that i think shouldn't be on their list first off let's start with the movie that shouldn't be on their list jerry Maguire is not a rom-com that's the sports movie with some feelings uh that's the sense it's it's a good movie i'm entertained by it but is it a romantic comedy no um uh another movie that shouldn't be on their list is love actually love actually is not a rom-com that's just a movie with some some some, some interacting stories there's some stories that are on there I find to be amusing, but it's not a rom-com. Uh, Laura Linney's storyline is not a, it's not a romantic comedy. I'm not enjoying watching that part of it, which is fine. Now, I've made a list of movies that are rom-coms that I enjoy. In fact, during the pandemic, I was writing one. So I was write, watching a lot of these rom-coms that are on this list. And some of these movies I don't think are very good. Sweet Home Alabama stinks. That's, that wouldn't be on my top 10 list. But here is my top 10 romantic comedies um in no particular order working girl say anything hitch something's got to give tootsie when harry met sally high fidelity can't buy me love just one of the guys and finally my best friend's wedding those are my top 10 rom-coms of all time come at me listeners you think there's something better i love the movie pretty woman it's a little dark that's the reason why i had my best friend wedding which is kind of like the anti-romantic comedy but i can i can talk about this all day long working girl definitely 100 percent. that would be on my list too i follow your logic and i'm 
I'm kind of with you on Love Actually, which I feel like we, a lot of people would probably argue with. That movie sucks. Yeah, I'm not. It's, <laughs> it's whatever to me, but it, I know that it's like very big for a lot of people, and I feel like people would be like, it is a rom com, but I'm not going to die on that hill. But I will say that uh, I think Jerry Maguire is a rom com. Like that's a rom com because the the heart of no. the movie is like their relationship. No, like the sports is like the backdrop. No, <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't get there with you on that one. That one is uh. I think what helps Jerry Maguire is just like as a fun hang is the fact that we get introduced with all these great people who we had no relationship with, whether it's Bonnie Hunt or Renee Zellweger or Cuba Gooding Jr. And then maybe a few of us had a relationship with, with, with our girl Regina. But for the most part, that just movie is just, it's just, it's just fine. It's fine. It's a, I think it's a good movie. It's not a romantic comedy. Don't forget about Jonathan Lipnicki. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the weight of the human head old. is eight pounds. It's eight pounds, yes. <laughs> all right um yeah we could we could uh dissect this list for the rest of the fucking tootsie not be on the list shout out to julie our friend julie was like you know what's not on the list is tootsie and i was like oh my god and tootsie is an incredible incredible rock con i'm gonna say it again i can't believe joe versus the volcano is not on this fucking list that's not a rom com. It is a rom com. <laughs> it's it's a it's the it's about their romance and it's a comedy. Like I don't. It's no. Nah, see, I, I don't see you're not a fan of rom coms. I am a fan of rom coms. <laughs> no, there's gonna be like a sweeping gesture. There's a sweet. They go to he goes to throw himself in a fucking volcano. No, no, no. no, no, no. That's not a rom. Yeah. That's not a romantic. That's a rom. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, again, we could do this. We'll do this at the bar at some point. At the real bar, um, at some point. But uh. All right, George, what do you say we close up this bar? Let's do it. Let's go talk to Kate. We, uh, whenever we have guests on, we, we do a ton of research. So it was nice to revisit your album uh, predictions. But I'm going to talk about briefly, like the last time I saw you, which was at uh, LCD Sound System. The, the LCD show, yeah. And it was kind of <laughs> rad to be sitting there in the audience waiting for LCD to come on. And your song is being played. Uh, it's like uh, as one of the music being played was like before the band comes on and I was in the process of texting you I was like hey I'm at this LCD sound system concert and they're playing your song and you just happen to be I don't know five feet away from me right that was like really it was it was so bizarre and that night was I uh, so my the bass player in my band 79.5 was the DJ for their opening night at Brooklyn Steel and he's like home and then so I was like kicking it with him and I'd never seen, that was my first time seeing LCD live ever. And I loved it. Yeah, it was pretty good. But it was, it was awesome. But yeah, he was like, he was like, come. He's like, I'm playing your song. And where someone was like, oh, how do you know that guy? And I was like, oh, we played music together. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Then I, I don't know. I looked up and I saw you and it was, and we've known each other a long time. We used to bartend together and yeah, for many years, so many years. Yeah, I think we go back over, over a decade. Yeah, it's we go back. Yeah, at least over ten, over ten years for sure. So mm-hmm. that was it. Was very sweet, and it, it, I think that was the first time we've seen each other since you know the pandemic. One of those weird small world mm-hmm. New York uh, moments. I'm having a little wine, if you don't mind. <laughs> Please go ahead. I mean, it's it's uh, the sun has already gone down, so that's my day off. It's. Yeah. Never too early, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> it's okay. We got a lot to cover, but we uh, we, let's just go ahead and jump on into it. 
I was doing a bunch of research listener predictions, which I own on vinyl. Uh, I'll have to get you the autograph one of these days next time I see you. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that I read on the interwebs is that uh, 79.5 sounds like someone spinning a radio dial with such passionate intensity that all the stations blend together into a single transcendent, almost spiritual force. Uh, one of the things that bothers me about like music journalists and how music is covered is like, they always say it's like so and so is a cross between blah 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 and blah blah blah, or this is like a, a this and that. Right. Uh, for someone who, for our listeners who are just learning about your band, how would you describe your band seventy nine point five? I feel like that is a good description because it's it literally is all over the place, and I think that that is just a testament to. Uh, sorry if you hear like some background noise. That might be my dog, by the way. <laughs> Uh, pop, popping in and out he's uh, he just came by to say hi my buddy Doug. our yeah. our pets are frequent contributors yeah. to the show so. pets are good <laughs> yeah, you can't see yeah. all the way down here but he's he's bugging me right now um i think that that's that was an accurate description that was like a, a music writer but the yeah i i would describe it as is soul music but it is soul music i would say it's very soulful at least but um a lot of the influences i draw from are can be very poppy like I'm a very big Janet Jackson and Todd Rundgren fan which I know those are very different like <laughs> musicians obviously but both of them the pop writing and and that's always been like my go-to is just like a pop song a song that like you you can't get out of your head like a little earworm an earwormy chorus or whatever so I don't know I I would say it's all over the place but if I had to describe it I would say it's soulful and it's psychedelic Sometimes it's disco and dancey. Our new stuff that we're going to release soon is very, <laughs> it's even more so. It even it even expands that that description that it's like, it sounds like a radio station all over everything because it's true. Um, yeah, there's like some rap on the next record. And there's like, it's, there's one track that to me sounds like, uh, remember those like, um, Pure Mood CDs from the 90s. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, the ones with the infomercials. Yeah, that's like, it's got that kind of like throwback energy in that in that realm. And it's like, I, I would say it's all over the place. And that's and that's a cool thing, in, in my opinion. And that feels really special. But I, yeah, I would say it's soulful and psychedelic. Um, more so, it's definitely gotten more jazzy and like a little bit more acid jazz. Like, we've been our live performances we've been like freaking out a little bit more like you know freaking out in terms of like getting wild on the instruments that song <laughs> and and just like in your i read that same uh, that same thing that george said and they also they said it's like a supremes cover of a cardi b banger which i thought was, was yeah. hysterical and like you know with the band but also as an individual artist how did you kind of develop that style over the years where you're kind of taking from different genres and, and melding that all together well I think just because I always I love I love performing I love singing and, and I I know I'm like the main songwriter in the project but also like I don't I don't want to do the project without other vocals because that's what I hear when I'm writing I hear like the transcendent like vocals that like cut through and I hear them in my, in my head when I'm writing so I, I I've always wanted to collaborate with more and more people as it as the bands progress it's hard to have too many people in one band especially if you want to tour and perform because it's 
just hard. It's hard to have a lot of people. It's hard with people's schedules and especially now with the pandemic and everything like that. But I would say like what has influenced me in that way, like, you know, like the, the saying, like it's a Supreme's cover of Cardi B banger. It's just in my head. Like when I hear harmonies and all that, I don't, I can't do it all on my own. I can't do it all on my own. And I've always gravitated towards, uh, especially working with other women, it's really important to work with other women and to uplift other women. So um, that's what that's what calls to me, like especially writing and, and, and writing the harmonies and hearing the harmonies in my head and being like, oh, let me try it this way. And like, I just know right now, and especially the lineup we have right now, like it's it could be so hard. You can like go through, you know, year after year after year in this industry and, and, and think you're doing great, but the truth is, is like, you can't do it without the people that like really actually have your back. And they're like, yeah, I hear that vision. And like, let's, let's make it pop. And then it makes it even more like the crystal vision, you know, in that capacity. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, we, we talk about that a lot, how art, there's hardly any art that's not collaborative. Yeah. You know, like there, it might get assigned, you know, the success may get, get assigned to one person, but there's a lot of people working together on that. Um, yeah. Can you talk about what uh, the experience was for you and the band in the early, like before the pandemic and, and throughout the early stages, did it kind of like grind everything to a halt for y'all? Or Oh yeah. It was really tough, honestly, because um, I'd taken a break and like, I don't uh, take this lightly. And I, I say it very seriously, but I took a break and I moved to Detroit for one year to like help my own health, my mental health. Like I needed a break from everything from the industry and I moved to Detroit for one year. And I came back early, or I'm sorry, on Oct early October, 2019. So I was in Detroit for like exactly a year. Um, and I come back and, I and we had been asked to headline South by Southwest, which we were like, okay, cool. Like people still wanna hear the music, even though like I, I don't know, I had released the record, but I was like, I just knew I needed a break. And so I took a break and, and yeah, we had, we were asked to headline South by Southwest and we had all these really cool shows lined up and it was, we had a tour planned around it and then everything just came all the way down and we were like, oh, we can't do this. But I think in a way it's just, it's just a testament to like what, why we want to keep doing it as artists. Like even now, like, there's so many grants going around for people and it's still not enough. Like people are applying for grants left and right and it's just still not enough. And uh, I just think you just have to love music so much that you, you would die without it. And that's how I feel. I feel like I would die without it. So I was like, let's just keep going. But yeah, we were like, it, things were cool before. Um, and I felt like it was a, a time to, to really show where we had grown and, and what we had developed as demos and stuff like that and we were we were when we were supposed to perform at South by we we're gonna perform all basically all new music and then like you know everything went out so you know it was tough but what are you gonna do you just gotta you just gotta do it did you guys like were you guys able to find time to like work on new stuff and and you know oh now yeah are, are kind of hitting the ground running or you yeah guys for sure like we so what we did was we we made an album's worth of demos uh that was like yeah that was like 
pre-pandemic, like late 2019. And then I remember like there's one track on our next album, which is finished, but we there was one track on our next album called Magazine. And uh, we finished it the night before everything shut down. And then we all like left and we hadn't, and then we didn't see each other for like another four months in person. But I remember that one where I was like, oh shit, this one is like, sorry, can I say that? Yeah. Oh yeah. We, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, oh shit. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, sorry. But yeah, we like we finished that one like the night before and we were like, this is so dope. This is so great and like very palpable, very, you know, you could tell the looming scariness, the our fright of everything that was about to happen. But mm-hmm. I think the pandemic was it was it was what it was for everybody. Like we can take it for like you know, like, oh I did this or like I made a shit ton of bread or I, you know, learned Spanish or like, you know, whatever. But like, the truth is, is at the end of the day, like we're all responsible for ourselves. So I I saw that as an opportunity to just be like, just fucking write, just write and write and write and write. And who cares if it doesn't stick? It's like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Who cares if it doesn't totally. stick? But you know what? At the end of the day, it did. And, and we recorded uh, last year, actually this time last year, April, 2021, we recorded our, next record which is ready to go awesome was the uh, single club level from uh which came out in september of, of last year was that a part of the process of yes was like that you were working on during the pandemic yeah totally that one that one in particular which is awesome so we threw that one out there because we released it we're independent right now we have some stuff in the works but i can't talk about everything right now just you know music wise you know whatever whatever who cares about that shit but <laughs> um i'm like you know like there's some things I can't say right now because they're in the works, but we release that independently because we are completely independent right now. And we had gone on tour with Durangens and Indications and we wanted to release something. We wanted to put something out there. We like be like, yo, we're like, we're going on this tour, like let's just do it. And why not? Because it's been so hard for musicians. Like anytime you drop a song, it's like a calling card. It's like, here, like just listen to this um and we yeah we put that out that's that will definitely be on the next record and we're really proud of that one that one's like that yeah like uh, as the engineer on the record described it, he's like it's like a zombie hazy disco banger it's like it's just it's just under like it's it's fast enough but it's just a little slow that it's like you know it's cool so yeah club levels on that and we were really proud of that because we did that all ourselves everything and the whole next record is produced by myself and Aaron Fraser from Duran Jones Indication. So we did it all independently. Club Love was fabulous, by the way. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. Like, it's like, it's weird. As I like it. As I, I like the weirdness of it. It's like, I appreciate that. Thank you. We, uh, so Dave, <laughs> uh, when we were doing the prep for uh, your interview, uh, we, uh, David discovered that, uh, I don't know if we're, I'm mispronouncing, I think I'm pronouncing the name, but your record predictions is produced by, is it Michelle's or Michael's? Leon Michaels. Leon Michael- uh, Michaels. Yeah, Leon Michaels. What was it yeah. like working with him and uh, the, walk us through the decision of recording that in such an old school way? Uh, well, I it was great to work with him. He's really, really talented, a uh, very talented individual. And um, uh, it's the it's the studio Diamond Mine. It's the studio of the record label that uh, we were on at the time. So uh, yeah, we just that was like kind of like part of the process and part of the I guess deal that we had made with them so it was 
it was awesome. It was just really nice. And yeah, and the music lends itself. It's, 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 it's the music's a bit, especially on predictions, it's a little bit, I don't want to say lazier, but like, it's very loose. It's just like, you know, there's a lot of space, there's a lot of space in the music. So it, it lends itself to um, that old school, like, you know, straight to tape kind of vibe. And, and yeah, he, did, he killed it. He killed that record. It's so great. Yeah. And it's fun to talk about, like, yeah, we recorded that. I think we've recorded that actually in 2016. I know it wasn't released till 2018, but so it's like interesting to like go back and like think about that time. I was like, oh man, that was a long time ago. But <laughs> yeah, it was it was a great process and it was really um, eye opening. And I love working in the studio and the engineer there, Jens, is incredible. And yeah, it's a great great crew to work with. So, yeah that style of recording where you're recording the entire band playing the track at once instead right. of like the, the individual tracks, is that something you like you guys are doing going forward? Is that like, what do you like about that versus doing it the other way? I like, I wouldn't say it's like a comparison, like, oh, you like, like it more one than the other. I always feel like when you say like, when you compare, you lose, right? Like, because when you grow as an artist or when you try new things, like things can be different each time um uh the next the record that we've done now it's such a different it's way different than than this this record because a lot of those songs on predictions i had written like in 2008 2009 2010 like way earlier <laughs> than when they had been recorded so um this next record you know the batch of songs are they're a bit fresher you know they're a, I would say like 2017 and now written. I uh, some of them were power ballads. Some of them were like like I was I've I've always been heavily influenced by the radio. I think that's why the band I like the band name 79.5. And that's why like it works for the band. Like uh yeah, this next record is definitely very differently recorded and influenced. We did record a tape on some things, but not everything. Um but that I don't know. I think that like doing the old school way, all the whole band of tape worked great for predictions. This one, we did take a different approach just because the songs are so different this time mm -hmm. coming around. Yeah. Cause like club levels, like uh, a good medium to show like, oh, these, this band's doing some other different things, but not like when you hear some of the other things, you're like, oh my gosh, like it's, it's so different. Like, like I said, there's rap on it. There's some power ballads. There's some like, you know, uh, pure moods energy. <laughs> pure moods from the 90s. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your approach to songwriting? Uh, listening to predictions a lot the last uh, week or two, a lot of it feels very personal. Are, yeah. you, are you drawing a lot from personal experiences or is it kind of a combination of that and observational stuff or how do you approach that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, very romantic person. So a lot of that, the record is about love and romance. Like, boy, don't be afraid. The song is like, don't be afraid to show that you like maybe love somebody, you know, the song predictions, the title track is, uh, about a psychedelic dream that I had that I will never, ever forget. Where like, I remember I lived in Greenpoint at the time and I was like in my dream, like, everyone at graduation like caps and gowns on and they were like searching for each other by the Williamsburg bridge 
and like skies were orange and it was like very psychedelic and I remember I was like I want to write that <laughs> down but I don't think I have a very specific songwriting approach I have a very sporadic songwriting approach sometimes stuff I can write in five minutes sometimes someone's song will take me five years so I don't have any specific way but I do know that if I hear a melody I immediately record it like on my voice memos even if it's just a melody even if I have no lyrics um when I do think of lyrics I often will do like vowel sounds like if I'm like a melody is like ah, it might be a, a, a or something like that you know like I might have an A, like a, a long A or like a short, you know, whatever. I might have a vowel sound, but then that might help uh, develop whatever lyrics come around that. If that makes any sense. I don't know if that does. Totally, totally. Sometimes it doesn't, like, honestly, most of the time it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, how did I even figure that out? But I figure if I, I figure at this point, if I like know pretty much what I'm doing, which I pretty, pretty much think I know, like I can write a song. I'm like, all right, just go with it. And if it doesn't work, throw it out. You know, like today mm -hmm. I had a really big session with my bandmate Lola. Um, and we wrote two great hooks on two different songs, two separate tracks. And we were like, this is really great. This is really, really good. And both are very different. But also I'm like, oh my God, I have no verses for this for either one. I have zero verses and I don't know how to do this. And then I'm like, you do know how to do this. Just like put it aside. Put it aside for a minute, and then you'll figure it out. Hopefully that like answers. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so one of my favorite things about doing this podcast, and I, I bet you Dave can concur as well, is like having creative types like you and the, our past guests talk about like uh, what was the defining moment in which they realized that this is what they wanted to do. Um, I can tell you what I was wearing the day that I realized that I wanted to do stand-up. Dave could probably whack politically, but the time he realizes is like, like, this is what he wanted to do as far as filmmaking and writing. So you, when was the moment you realized and what was it that, that defining when you realized it's like, oh, I want to do that? Honestly, it was when I moved to Detroit. I didn't want to do it anymore. I almost mm -hmm. gave up. I literally almost gave it all up. Uh, we released a record. I was not in a I'm okay. Actually, I just want to say this for like the record for everybody that's listening right now. Are people watching right now, by the way? Will they watch or they'll just listen? They'll just listen. We might have like they'll a short listen. clip that okay. we cut together later, but. Cool. Right. Okay. Yeah. Your producer said that. Okay. I just want to say really for the record, it's really important and okay to talk about your health and your mental health. I really think it's incredibly important. It's actually really fucking cool and okay. And I know that I was at a point where I wanted to give everything up. I was like, I do not want to do anything. I don't want to do this anymore. People are fucking mean. People are snakes. People are trying to take you for like, I don't know. I just, maybe I went into some things naively and like everyone makes mistakes and I know this, but I just know that I wanted to give up. When I moved to Detroit, I wanted to give up and I wrote a song to myself called bitch don't fucking quit awesome. and that's on the next record and that's what i knew i was like don't like this is like i wrote the song and i was like really great it's a really good song and it's in and, and it hasn't been released yet but it is it does great with all the audiences and i know that that's like if it never does great on like the charts or whatever i don't actually don't even care about that but like 
it doesn't matter to me because that is the one moment where I was like, I know what I'm doing. I know, I know this is in my heart. Like, this is what I don't want to do. I don't want to give up on myself. And I wrote that for myself. And I always think like, okay, like someone's going to be like, oh, like she's defensive with her language or whatever. But I'm like, whatever. I wrote it to myself. Like, bitch, don't fucking quit. Don't fucking quit. Don't give up. And that, that was my moment. That was my moment. Like, I know that I'm a songwriter and I know like, for me, I have a very hard time performing. I get, I, I'm a good performer, but I give the worst stage fright ever. I get very, very scared. Still, and I think now it's like, a lot of people that know me over the years are like, it's just part of who you are. Like they, it's it's nice to them to see me and be like, ah, look at me like awkward and, and weird or whatever. It's It's who I am, so it's cool like it's like maybe about accepting yourself for who you are and, and not worrying about anyone else and not comparing yourself to anyone else and just keep going so that was my moment and that's awesome and that's cool because George like you've known me for so many years like George and I used to bartend together for a long time and like it's it's cool it's cool to like know that moment and I like that question I did know that moment when I wanted to give up I didn't give up awesome yeah I think that's like yeah thank late in the career thank, thank you for sharing <laughs> um no, i think yeah. that's a thing that like if anybody who's ever done anything in the arts and they they say that they haven't thought about quitting they're they're full of shit you know like every i think we all feel that you know of like all have that pull is this what i should be doing like you know because of right. all the reasons that you mentioned and and everything else um but yeah, yeah. like we keep like it's hard it's so hard to be you know and that, I know that was like pre-pandemic and that's like even crazier because pandemic was the pandemic and it's still going on, but it's been so hard, but I just knew don't give up. Totally. And like, hope you don't mind. Us, but... No, not at all. I, if you, if you want me to, I have my vaporizer right here. I can fire up. So like you're, you're all good. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, that's like everything I've ever heard from, from people that I consider to be successful, like throughout my whole life uh, in the arts is just don't stop. If you if you don't stop, you're still doing yeah. it, you know. And you you are you are that you are that singer or songwriter that you are that filmmaker, that writer. Like, yeah. you just got to keep doing it. You have to. And I think that's why a lot of people fail because they stop. Yeah, and like the thing is too is like even like with failure, like what does that word even mean? Because even if it feels like a failure, and maybe it's the right thing for that person at that right time. You know what I mean? Maybe it's like not. Maybe it's not a failure. Maybe it's Sure. a change in scenery maybe it's you know so that's a great thing to look at and and I it's hard like the music industry is really weird and scary and like not nice and like I could tell you a lot of stories but I'm not going to right now because that's not why I'm here but like it's at the end of the day like you have to answer to yourself and you have to be like what am I actually here for why did I move to New York City in 2005? I moved here because I wanted to play music and write music and perform music. And that's why I'm still doing it. And I am still here doing it. And like, that's really special. And that like, makes me feel good. So that's it. If at the end of the day, it makes you feel good. What else are we gonna, you know, what else do we have? It's awesome. Yeah. Pretty cool. Absolutely, Kate. We've uh, we spent some time talking about the past. Let's talk about the future. I know that uh, June seventeenth, you're going to be playing at Brooklyn Made, uh, yeah. which is a show I think I'm going to go to because it just happens to be 
my birthday. That uh, is aside your birthday. from the album coming out. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm a June 17th yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, please come. Absolutely. So aside from that show and the album coming out in 2022, uh, what else do you, uh, you got, are you guys going to head back on the road or what's, what's going on with you guys? I'm pretty sure the album is now going to come out in 2023 okay. because it's hard record pressing right now. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very difficult. Um, yeah, we have a bunch of things in the works that I can't really like say right now because of like, you know, ongoing things that are cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to, we're going to release it probably in 2023. I'm hoping to release a single uh, 20 this year to announce the record. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to get back on tour. I would like to do a Europe tour. Honestly, I like to go to Japan. I think Japan's awesome and I think we would have a great time there. So I don't know, there's a lot of stuff up in the air, but it's like, doesn't feel like anything but very positive and like that it's actually working. And so, um, yeah, we did that tour um specifically just to kind of get ourselves back out there and to work again honestly mm -hmm. when we when we toured it last year with Duran Jones and Indications but also Lola my bandmate and I she had done she and I had done background vocals on their second record that's where we actually met and then we did background vocals on their third record the one that's out now and so they had asked us to sing with them on tour and we said all right well just let's just bring on 79.52 to open up and that's kind of how that came about but Right now, I wouldn't say we're like in a holding pattern, but we're just kind of doing some like local shows until we like really figure out exactly what our game plan is, which is kind of nice. You know, like there's like that all like rush, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. And it's like, well, maybe not. Maybe like the, the good things are just gonna come as they come. We just, we're taking it like that. So, but we definitely have, a, we have a re album ready to go and it's gonna come out next year. And it's really, it's so good. I'm very, very proud of it. That's great. Like incredibly proud of it. It's like free. It's so good. And it's nothing like we've ever done before, which is like my favorite part about it. That's, that's yeah. That's super wonderful. proud of it. Yeah. So Kate here at the Know Your Worth podcast, we, we brought you on for a reason. Um, uh, what we do is we take two things that seemingly have nothing to do with each other. And we make comparisons between them mm -hmm. for your episode. Yes. We're going to be talking about soul singers and ice cream. Uh, two things that I, I know a lot about. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Dave does as well. And it's, we have, we had to have, uh, have you on to talk about some of your favorite soul singers. Uh, we each do five um, uh, soul singer first in our ice cream flavor for that, uh, that soul singer. I go first, Dave goes second, and you as our distinguished guest will go third. And uh, I'm going to go ahead okay. and kick it off with, with my, uh, my, my, my favorite soul singer. Uh, anybody knows me the, or knows the name of my cat. My cat is named Gladys, mm -hmm. named after Gladys Knight. Yeah. My, my I knew you were gonna I knew you were gonna do Gladys, <laughs> Gladys you know. I almost I almost did Gladys because I was like, I know George loves Gladys Knight. Love Gladys and, Knight. And and that's your kitty cat's name. So it is sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, no, not at all. Know. The Empress of Soul, <laughs> she has been she's been called. Uh um uh, I don't think she's the goat, she's the greatest of all time. I'm gonna get into that person a little bit later, but but she is my favorite. So my ice cream flavor for Gladys Knight. Is cookies and cream, which is my favorite ice cream flavor. <laughs> Cute. I like that. So you, went, you went favorite, favorite. Oh, yeah. Favorite, favorite for that one. Nice. Okay. Awesome. All right. So, my first one 
is an artist that uh, Kate, you've actually collaborated with, and that's Lee Fields. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I, want, I sang on his record one time, and it was like a dream come true. He, <laughs> I love, I love his stuff, and I love the like his his music is timeless. Mm-hmm. You, it's it it feels like it exists, you know, at any point within the last forty years, mm-hmm. you know, um, but is still like very relevant. And uh, that's, you know, I think he's a slept on classic, which is why as an ice cream flavor, he's strawberry shortcake. It's been around forever. Uh, Maybe not the first thing that I even that <laughs> I even reach for, but it's mm-hmm. delicious. So Lee Fields. That's good. I like that. OK, so, so we're going yeah. e- we're going each person, right? Yeah. OK, so I just want to say yeah. we're doing five each, right? Yeah. OK, cool. OK, so I have uh, one male and then for women because I did want to say this I feel like women are not always I love George that you went first with Gladys I thought that was dope because I do feel that we are very underrepresented in all of music so much it really is very you see festivals and you're like all these men on the bill and you're like where's the ladies so anyway but my first is it's not in any particular order but my first thought was Sam Cook and he is mint chocolate chip. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he is cool. Sam and he's my only male on my list, but he is cool and like mint chocolate chip is my favorite flavor. And Sam Cook is out. He just is like, oof. It's like open heart surgery with no anesthesia. <laughs> you know, when you hear him sing, you're like, ouch, that hurts. Yeah. And it's beautiful hurt, you yeah. know. So that that's my flavor. Awesome. And also my only male uh, soul singer in the in the nice. game. Is it called a game? Or are we doing? Yeah, it's a game. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's our game. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> All right. So for my next one, um, um, it's Patty Labelle, the godmother of, of soul. Is is her nickname? Her group Labelle. Oddly enough, I did not learn this until I was doing the research about for our episode. Uh, LaBelle was the first African-American vocal group on the cover of Rolling Stone, which I, which I did not know. I thought it would be somebody no. other than that. That's so cool. And LaBelle were the, very, were the first Oof. cover. She has okay. a career that spans seven decades. And for the ice cream flavor that I have for her is vanilla. Not because vanilla is boring, but vanilla is, ice cream is described as simple, but goes with everything. And anybody has ever heard one of the coolest, Facts. coolest, duets is Pyla Bell, Michael McDonald, On My Own. So Pyla Bell is the song is so good. <laughs> you know what he's like? He's like, he's like, and we're not even <laughs> <laughs> you, know you know, it's like it is so in that music so video. Okay, George, I have to okay, okay. I can give you like a look, I can give you guys a little hint on the next record. There is Banging through oh, on see. the next record, and that's all I gotta say. And the 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 spirit behind it is that particular duet, the Patty McDonald, Patty Labelle, and Michael McDonald. I'm not kidding you. It is. I can't believe you just said that. Is all I gotta say. Awesome. <laughs> wow, this, is, this is amazing. <laughs> You're gonna love it, and I can't and I can't say I can't say too much more because, like, you know, like not a lot of like talk about stuff before like comes out, but it's cool. It, the anticipation is great. We're we're gonna be looking yeah. forward to it. <laughs> cool. Um. All right. My second one 
is I went with a duo and uh, mm. that's Peaches and Herb. <laughs> and thing about Peaches and Herb, they made great music for like decades uh, and you can't have one without the other, but the person that played Peaches changed a bunch of times, uh, which, okay. which is why as ice cream, uh, it's an ice cream sundae because if if you just have herb and you just have a bowl of ice cream that that's fine but you need all the toppings and all the all the flair so uh it's peaches and herb and you can change oh, it I up you can change it up at any time i like that that's that's really nice that's very thoughtful too uh my next one is uh irma thomas who's absolutely one of my absolute favorite singers she's incredible and uh I would say she's praline and cream. Nice. She's smooth as fuck and uh, she's undeniable and she's still with us and let's praise her. I love Irma Thomas. And she's got that New Orleans. Oof. Yeah. She's incredible. And uh, I have so many great memories of uh, Irma Thomas playing her record, Irma Thomas Sings, at, when I worked at Sunny's Bar. Uh, we would play that record back front to back, front to back, front to back, front to back. We would play over and over and over again on Saturday nights. And it was, it's a very special, fond memory for me of listening to that record. And a lot of the songs are written by Alan Toussaint. It's just great. And so Pralines and Cream, I think that's a nice. Nice. Smooth. Also an un yeah. under-celebrated great. Both of those things. I agree. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. George. All right. So for my number three, my number three is Curtis Mayfield, who is a soul singer who wrote politically conscious tunes from uh, Dave's hometown of Chicago. Now, there's always this list of like greatest songs ever recorded. If your list of greatest songs ever recorded doesn't have people get ready, then your list is absolute bullshit because people get ready is one of the greatest songs ever recorded. <laughs> that just, that's just, that just what it is. I agree. Uh, and then Superfly is yeah. also one of the greatest soundtracks, if not the greatest soundtrack ever recorded. This sort of it gets like whatever. It's like we can do the Shaft Superfly debate another time for because we were, we don't want to keep you too long because I could be talking about this all evening. The, the interesting thing about Curtis Mayfield is I think sometimes he gets forgotten as far as like soul singers. He's like he's great, but sometimes there's like he's like they think of Marvin, they think of Sam, they think of some other people, which is why I'm in. Call him a very right. underrated ice cream flavor. The aforementioned mint chocolate chip. Mint chocolate chip is great. Oh, yes. You know what? That's perfect. It is perfect. Curtis is so good. I mean, the one song, uh, Add a Little Sugar, <laughs> Making Zoom. Yeah, yeah. You know that song? Yes. Yo, you put that 45 on anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. People are like, ooh, stop. <laughs> yeah. They're like, People stop, even if they're like all like crazy and hanky at the bar or whatever. Like, I don't know. I when anytime I put that song on, like, it is it is sweeping and beautiful. And you know, Curtis wrote till he was like, you know, he wrote till mm -hmm. his last days as a songwriter. He was incredible. I like that. That was nice. Absolutely. Thanks, that was good. <laughs> yeah, that was. That was Thanks. Some of that later stuff is really good. So it is, yeah. uh, Future Shock, Ooh. 
Um, but yeah, if if that's my list, there's like 10 Curtis Mayfield songs on it. They gotta be the greatest songs ever. Um, all right, my next one is someone we mentioned uh, earlier. Kate, you mentioned her. And it's one of my favorite singers of all time. I've mentioned her many times on the show. I'm sure I will mention her again. And that's Sharon Jones. Sharon, oh, yeah. Sharon Jones is incredible. Um, she's one of the one of the people that like I've been to a lot of concerts, but she's one of the people I saw that like it's a transformative experience, even if you already knew, know and love her, like it's still she, you know, there were like thousands of people there and she was controlling everybody in the palm of her hand in like the most beautiful way. Um, and you know, if you know a little bit about her story, she she really went through the shit. She she was a, a corrections officer at Rikers, which is just like insane to think about. Yeah. Um and it is it is insane insane to think yeah. about. It's it is it's a hard that's a hard yeah. yeah. Um that's a hard hard occupation. Totally. Yeah. And uh you know she she didn't get like recognized and, and like her break with music until like her her mid to late 40s you know which is always like yeah. super inspiring uh to me which is why to me she is salted caramel a little, a little bit salty but sweet a little bit of an acquired taste but it's like one of my favorites of all time and uh i've been think i i always think about her and her music but because of the time we're in uh in in april i i just want to say uh we should follow her lead and why don't we all stop paying taxes because that's an incredible uh sharon jones song and uh yeah well actually why don't we all stop paying taxes I, yeah we sh we should we should all stop Let's stop help. doing it but we the thing is we have to all do it um we have to all do it uh, yeah um, but yeah so sharon jones is uh salted caramel that's great i love that i love her sharon's amazing yeah, yeah rest in yeah. peace she was amazing um the next artist I have is pretty obscure, probably the next two, but I think that both of y'all might have heard them, but uh, one of my favorite soul singers, and I only know one of her records really is Little Anne. Um, and she had a record out called Deep Shadows, and it's actually, I don't ever, I don't travel when I play records out or whatever, I just never travel without that record, just in case someone drops a song from it. But she, this record's called Deep Shadows, there's a track called Deep Shadows, uh, you think it'd be one of those tracks where people would be like, oh, you know, I want to hide this from people. I don't want them to know because it's so good. I don't know. Do you guys know Little Anne? No, Deep no, Shadows? no, but I, I'm going to look it up after this for sure. Okay. Look up the whole record. It's a beautiful record. I, I believe Timmy and uh, reissued it. She was a Detroit soul singer. Not known. Um, the flavor I picked for her is rum raisin because anytime I had, anytime I go to like, there's a, there's a soul club up in Harlem that I went to one time and they, it was very like, they served you cake and stuff. They were like, you had to sit here at this table and you had to eat, they served you food. And it was very cool. They're like, you know, you just did what you did. You're like, I don't know. And I just remember I got a piece of rum cake I was like, I had one bite and I was like, I'm so drunk right now. <laughs> I'm like hammered, right? I'm hammered right now. And ha but like that kind of like deep, I don't know. I just remember 
hearing little Anne for the first time and feeling drunk. And that's why I picked rum raisins. So it's like not even a flavor that I necessarily like, but if I ate it, because I remember going to this club one time and being like, this is what, this is what happens at this club. You have, you sit down, they serve you dinner. And I was like, okay, I never had never experienced anything like this. And it was, an, I remember it was in like a, an organ trio that played. It was super cool. But I just remember being like, I've never experienced anything like this. And I remember a piece of rum, you know? So I thought about that for little Anne because every time I hear her, I felt like that rum drunk. And just, she's really cool. So I would look it up. Little Ann, Deep Shadows. Definitely. Right on. Definitely. Right yeah. On. Super good. Yeah. Uh, my number four is uh, Teddy Pendergrass. I've gotten uh, I've got one Philadelphia artist with, uh, with Patti LaBelle. I'm going to do another one with Teddy P. The thing that I love about Teddy Pendergrass is as a young person uh, before 18 or 19, he already sounded like a grown person. His voice was like, was harsh and coarse aggressive and sexy and sweet which is why the ice cream that i have for him yeah. is rocky road the coarseness of the almonds but the sweetness of the chocolate ice cream and the marshmallows uh if you guys haven't seen the teddy pendergrass documentary from 2015 i believe please check it out it is amazing anyway teddy pendergrass is the rocky road of ice cream oh yeah awesome. i like that that's dope love teddy pendergrass um all right, my next one, I'm like right in the in the sweet spot now of like some of my favorite artists, honestly, of any genre. Um, and the next one is Nina Simone. Nina Simone, I can put on at almost any time. She could do anything. She could speed it up. She could slow it down. She could bring you up. She could bring you down. She was incredible, uh, you know, but she also, she battled a lot of demons and she had a lot of ups and downs and she was very open about that. She put it into the music. And, yeah. uh, and even when she would do like covers, you know, she was bringing something completely new to the song. Um, but like I said, a lot of ups and downs. And that's why for me, she's my Rocky Road. <laughs> Rocky Road, oh, cool. a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things in there, uh, but hits the spot every time. Love it. That's perfect. Uh, my next one is actually I said I skipped one I skipped a very important one but I was like my next two are obscure so I'll give you my obscure one later but you might know her but my next one is Aretha Franklin and uh, I chose cherry because she's a fucking cherry on top you cannot like <laughs> what Aretha, Aretha period that's it bye mm. move on to George yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what to say she's a cherry on top enough said like, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, right? that's perfect because that, that leads into my yeah. fifth and final cho choice the goat the greatest of all time the michael jordan of soul singers the aforementioned aretha franklin she did gospel she did soul ah, cool. she did jazz she did r&b she dabbled in a little bit of disco a little bit of pop anybody yeah. heard that song she did with george michael knew you were waiting for me we know what we're talking about now aside oh. from the 112 charted songs that she did in her career she was the award of the national medal of arts the Presidential Medal of Freedom. She's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She's in the UK Music Hall of Fame. She's in the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. She won the Pulitzer, and she's in the National Women's Hall of Fame. From 61 to 68, she made 13 records. Aretha Now, which came out in 68, which is one of the dopest records of all time. Four years later, she does Young Gifted in Black in 1972. That was her 16th fucking record. I think she's 32. Anybody who has seen Amazing Grace 
that is beyond a concert film. That is a religious experience. That is why she's the GOAT. Now, I can't just call her one flavor ice cream. I looked at the top 10 list of greatest ice cream flavors of all time. Number one is vanilla. Number two is chocolate. Number eight is strawberry. So in essence, I think she is all of those. Aretha Franklin is the Neapolitan of ice cream flavors. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's okay. I like how, like, it's cool how you think about this too. Cause I like, I don't like, when I got like all the, when we talked about doing this podcast before, I was like, I think like, how do I think about it? And I was like, I should just think about it like how I think about it. And I like that that's how, how y'all approach it too. Yeah. It's cool. So I think that's so perfect. Cool. Totally. I like how you think that she's those three, and I like how I said she's the cherry, and I feel like we both absolutely one another. Yeah, that's beautiful. She's so amazing. I was so sad when she passed. I was working at Sunny's Bar, and I said I made an altar for her. I remember. I remember it was the Thursday afternoon, and she, when she passed, and I made an altar for her at Sunny's Bar, and it was beautiful. Yeah, I. That's an amazing woman. Yeah, I work at a bar where we only play vinyl and i we have like several aretha's and all the ones you mentioned and i play them constantly uh which brings me to my next one because i'm gonna keep this train going <laughs> because i also have aretha franklin <laughs> as my last one That's amazing. and i That's i only amazing. wrote one thing on this card for her <laughs> and it is delivers on time every time you're never disappointed i'm never met like if I if I'm going and looking through records and like pouring through and thumbing thumbing the whole damn thing and I can't find anything as soon as I hit Aretha, oh it's Aretha easy choice, which is why as an ice cream she's chocolate fudge brownie because I'm <laughs> never going to be unhappy with that and like if someone is unhappy with that something's wrong with them like you don't. You're, you're wrong. <laughs> you're just wrong. Uh, so yeah, Aretha is uh, the chocolate fried fudge brownie because it's perfect every time. That's awesome. Isn't it interesting that all three, that's probably why like podcast exists for like moments like that. Yeah. The trifecta of Aretha. Yeah, I don't know if that's ever happened before where like every person had the same, uh, the same one part of the comparison. <laughs> Yeah, and I got really excited because admittedly I'm a little nervous because I don't like do well with these things. <laughs> but like I'm okay right now because you guys are cool. But like I skipped Aretha because I was excited. I was like, oh, I gotta explain this other artist to them. So like I don't know, maybe it like was meant to be that Absolutely. way, you know, that trifecta, which is pretty yeah. cool. Uh, my last and final is Wendy Renee. Uh, she has a ton of awesome songs uh old soul singer no longer with us uh her biggest hits were barbecue um and after laughter comes tears which like wu-tang sampled uh she's fucking awesome and my ice cream for her is strawberry because it's she you put her on and it's just so sweet and like strawberry is such a nice flavor and like you sometimes just want a little strawberry ice cream and Sometimes a little different, and I don't know. I don't always want strawberry ice cream, but when I do, like it's like, wow, that's nice. And she's incredible. Like, what an incredible singer! But like, really, really influential on so much music that I love. And I, it's funny because like I remember like listening to her for the first time and thinking like, wow, that's so cool. And like, you know, it's very like 
50s and, and kind of sad music honestly it's very like kind of dark in the chord structure and everything but dark in a sweet way so I don't know like that's why I picked Strawberry I think it's, it's just beautiful music and Wendy Renee is one of my favorite very favorite soul singers awesome when when you said yeah. the name it sounded familiar but as soon as you said after laughter comes tears like that's yeah, yeah. I love that track yeah it's and that's yeah incredible. there's like there's a great like double record put out Light in the Attic put it out and it's like all those tracks and there's oh man there's so many good ones on there and like that's like another record like that Little Ann record and the when you're like I don't normally like go around like when I play records out like I always bring those records with me because there's so many cool songs on the 12 inches it's like it's worth it to like it's worth the wait <laughs> you know what I mean it's like worth it to carry the records yeah. if you have to take the train or whatever anyway awesome well you that was awesome that was super fun I we, I think I can probably speak for George in saying that was really great to talk all these singers with you you killed it oh thanks cool <laughs> and uh it's you know we both have we both have a new record to to listen to so so Absolutely. Uh, excited about that yeah yeah both of those records are very nice excellent records to listen to for sure so Kate, before <laughs> we let you get out of here uh you have the 79.5 june 17th at brooklyn made um tell our listeners oh, where, we, yeah. where they can find you on the socials and all the other platforms that you're that you're on Yes, uh, Instagram 79, the word point, P-O-I-N-T, and then the number five, seven, nine point five. Uh, basically same on all socials. We're, fast, we're finally getting a website soon. <laughs> it's like kind of funny. Like I've never had a website and I'm about to have a website, which I'm really excited about. So that'll be up soon. Uh, yeah, like moving through this life um, with joy and with uh, intention and, and always my heart in music and that's what I'm doing right now yeah you can find this on all those things and uh and I have a radio show which is really fun I would like to plug my radio show because I have so much fun doing it I do it on Soho radio which is like a London radio station but they opened up a branch in New York City and I do it once a month it's like the second Fridays of every month so or it's like every four Fridays basically it's super fun, yeah. And I only play records because I don't know how to do anything else. I don't know how to do like my laptop or anything, which is really funny because I'm like, I'm like, I actually only know how to do vinyl, but it's really fun and I really enjoy it. It's really, it brings me a lot of joy, and I, it's really, I like to share it with other people. I'm like, oh, I found out this song, or I found this song on vinyl, like you know. So it's it's fun. So I only play records, and I do it once a month, and it's it's all it's all linked on my social media, on seventy nine point five social media. I really don't have much personal social media, which I'm also really okay with. <laughs> I'm giving a thumbs up right now for those who are just me, listening. Me, me and George feel, feel the same way. We, yeah. feel, we both feel the same way. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. But 79.5, you can yeah. hear my radio show. And it's really fun. It's just literally, and I don't like to talk. Like This is the most I've talked in a really long time on anything like this. And so I will say it is because thank you for inviting me. I really am having a great time. And it's because I do know George pretty well. George is super dope. And, uh, but I don't, I like barely talk on my radio show. I say like, hi. And also my niece, who was like six at the time I recorded her. She is my intro. My six-year-old niece. Awesome. Right on. Anyway, it's called Terrorize My Heart with Sister Kate on Soho Radio. 
it's cool sweet it's really fun yeah it's super fun i'm really i'm really enjoying my time i just play records for two hours that's all it really is but it's fun and then i archive them on my mix cloud which is also up there thank yeah. you so much this was a blast it was great uh, talking to you thanks y'all yeah super fun really cute <laughs> all right good to see you kate yeah you too thanks y'all take care all right, we're back. That was awesome. Thank you so much to Kate Madison. Look for her on all the social medias and her band, 79.5 on Spotify and wherever you get your music. And check out the show on June 17th at Brooklyn Made. That was awesome. Thank you, George, for kind of making that intro. I love uh, talking to musicians. That was fun. All right, now we're going to go ahead and move into last call where we talk about things we got going on in the future, what we're looking forward to. George, what do you got for us? Uh, I've got two things, uh, both of them premiering uh, within the next like uh, week and a half. And I uh, hear that one of the things is like uh, is a thing that you're looking forward to. So I'll say that for my second thing. The first is, thing is uh, David Simon's new series, We Run This City, which is about the rise and fall of the Gun Trace Tax Force which was a like police squad in Baltimore and David Simon, who was somebody we both loved. It's almost sort of like this spiritual sequel to The Wire and several actors from The Wire are in it, which is uh, Jimmy Hector. And it's also got John Bertanall and Josh Charles. It's about dirty cops in Baltimore. And I, I cannot wait to watch that. And that premieres this Monday, April 25th coming up. So that's the other thing, one thing. And then the other thing is understand we're both Looking forward to Under the Banner of Heaven, which is based on the book by John Krakauer, which is written by Dustin Lance Black, who won the Oscar for Milk a few years ago. And, he, uh, and I was reading, doing some research about him, and he is uh, writing and directing the the biopic about uh, about uh, Bayard Russian, who I mentioned two episodes ago. And this has got Daisy Edgar Jones from Normal People, a show that I loved from a couple years ago. Andrew Garfield is the lead in Wyatt Russell. Um, uh, Dave, I know you are looking forward to Under the Banner of Heaven. You got anything to add to that? That premieres April 28th, by the way. Yeah, it's so funny. You read, like you said, most of what I have written on my note card here. But I had I done a little bit more uh, research into what was coming out this week, I would have had the exact same two things you're looking forward to because I didn't even realize <laughs> that that Simon show was coming out this week. Uh, that is very exciting. I just, uh, I might have to, I might have to change after hearing hearing that from the excitement um, <laughs> um <laughs> i watched the trailer it's it's it looks it looks bad yeah that's yeah sign me up i'm in uh i'm in i'm also looking forward to uh uh under the banner of heaven i actually know somebody name drop um who directed a few episodes isabel sandoval who is a wonderfully talented filmmaker isabel has made a couple of indie films in the last few years that have done really well at some major festivals and it's awesome to see Isabel getting some love and some awesome work I'm not the biggest Andrew Garfield fan to be perfectly honest with you but I do like every oh man he's fine I don't have anything against him I'm just not like oh Andrew Garfield is in it awesome you know what I mean that's not the reaction I have well <laughs> I mean like he's fine it's fine I, I mentioned Daisy Edgar Jones first because I, yeah. I absolutely adore her normal people is pretty badass and Wyatt Russell uh I'm excited to see like him in some more stuff 
and yeah, Dustin Lance Black, like, and John Krakauer, like the, I've never read Under the Banner of Heaven, but I've read some of John Krakauer's other books. There's nothing that he writes about that's not like really fascinating and interesting. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure it's going to be really, really interesting. Uh, a, Do you know what I like about him? He uses the same font. <laughs> yes, they, all, all the books all have books. the same design. Yeah. Titles. I like a person obsessed with font. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I like uh, committing to the style, I guess. Uh, Into Thin Air and uh, Into the Wild. Those are both very good. Same font. Um, yeah, same font. <laughs> same, same whole deal. Um, that's, that's, all you, uh, that's all you need to get into George's heart. Yep. Um, be consistent with your font choices, mm-hmm. with your typeface choices. All right, we're going to go ahead and round out this show. First, George is going to tell us what's going on in the next uh, little while here on the show. So, Know Your Rollers, Dave, that's the nickname that I have for our listeners, the Know Your Rollers, not the uh, the folks who are doing ecstasy. We love you people, too, the Know Your Rollers. Anyway, Know Your Rollers, the schedule's in flux, and we'll definitely have a list of people that are going to be on coming up, so keep on the lookout for that. All right, we're going to go ahead and finish up this show. Thank you so much to George. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to Amanda Zeller, our designer, and Nate88, Alan Tech Kid, Kazo Oslo for our theme, and also, thank you to Mary Beth. She's not producing the show, but I'm going to thank her anyway. <laughs> um, everybody, be safe and be healthy. Sweet. And uh, bundle up, guys. It's unfortunately cold in April, which I don't love. Yeah, let's let's get to fucking 65, please. Let's go, Mother Nature. Mother Gaia, please. We, we, we cherish you. All right, we're out. <laughs> You know the world of a rough stack. You know the world of a rough stack.